Hello and welcome to the Mindful Men Podcast, a show inspiring men to be mindful about their lives. Each week, we'll dive into a range of topics that matter to men and hear from everyday people doing extraordinary things. So if you love the show, please give it a five-star rating and share it with your mates. Now, before we get into this week's episode, please note that some of the content may trigger you. And if this happens, please reach out to your support networks. It's really important. If you can't get enough of Mindful Men, head over to our website. It's www.mindful-men.com.au. Find the show notes and the links to our socials there. But for now, sit back, relax, and let's get mindful. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Men Podcast. I'm your host Simon Rinney and today we're getting mindful about mentoring for men and why having a mentor can improve our well-being. And joining me for today's discussion, I've got Simon Jarvis. Now Simon, are you in New South Wales? I am, yeah. We are uh, in New South Wales. I'm actually going to be uh, up there in a couple of days with the family, so I'm looking forward to it. Lovely. Where are you going in Queensland? Uh, up to the Sunshine Coast, Alexander Heads. Yeah, just down the road from me. Cool. Oh, well, I'll come and say hello. Catch up for a coffee. So to introduce you to the audience, who, for anyone who's not familiar with you, you're the CEO of Mentoring Men, and you've got over 20 years management experience in the non-for-profit sector as well, both here in Australia, but also in the UK as well. You've got a bachelor's degree in behavioral psychology, but you're also a passionate mental health and men's health advocate too. So thanks so much for joining me. So let's start off. I always like to find out a little bit more about my guests, you know, who they are, where they're from. Obviously, your accent is not so much of a New South Welsh accent. No, it's not. No. So give us a bit of a yeah, rundown of where you're from. You're from the UK and and what led you to, I guess, coming on to mentoring men as the CEO? Yeah, sure. So like you can tell, I'm originally from the UK, a place called Reading, which is uh, down south in between London and Bristol. And I was kind of born and bred there up until the age of 18. And then I moved to Southampton to do my psychology degree and I became a behavioral psychologist. And then once finishing that, I actually moved over to Australia. So I've been here around about 17 years now, so quite a while. And during that time, I've worked mostly within the not-for-profit sector with a couple of years out working for Westpac. But apart from that, yeah, mostly in the uh, not-for-profit space. So I started off as a behavioral psychologist working with children on the spectrum and working with their families. And and so I was very, very lucky that I was able to travel the country doing that. So that really gave me a good lie of the land of kind of the differences in in the places in Australia and uh, outlooks on the way that people think about things. And, you know, even like the small, minute areas of kind of like, well, what services are available and what does that look like? And what really led me into kind of men's mental health as such and and what really got me passionate about it was how little I actually had to do with the dads in these spaces like it was always the mums I was dealing with and you know when I eventually got to talk to some of the guys they always very much felt like they were on the peripheral one I think that's because they're never sure what to do a lot of the time and I know this is not you know the norm all the time, but they were the the main bread winner. So a lot of the time they were out and about a lot. And so the time they spent with their kids, they didn't always want it to be about therapy or they didn't always want it to be about kind of the issues that are going on. And so because of that, they do feel quite isolated and, and they kind of shy away. So that was one of the issues that I, I found. And then I kind of spent a lot of time working in different charities and different spaces from children's cancer to kind of sexual health with, with family planning, New South Wales. And 
again, it's the same issue. Guys just don't talk and they don't open up. And so when this opportunity came along to work for an organization that purely works in this space, I was so passionate about it. And, you know, I have my own personal stories to share with you. Having my first kid, I was sat in the kind of obstetricians clinic with my with my partner, Andrea. And, you know, they're talking, um, rightly so, all about like what's going on with her body, what's going on with her, how her mood's going to change. And I'm kind of sitting there quietly going like, without lack of better words, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what's going on with my with myself. And I don't, can barely look after myself. How am I meant to be able to look after a little one? And it wasn't until my father-in-law kind of recognized me going through these struggles that he kind of, you know, put an arm around me and said, you know, like what you're going through is the same as everybody else and it's okay. And that was a real turning point for me to realize that actually it's okay to to stop and ask and to get help where I need it. And it's not a weakness. It's actually a strength to, to reach out. And so all these things where I've gone like, well, what if there are people out there that don't have someone? What if there are people out there that that don't have that support around them? What can we do? And and that's why it resonates with me so much that mentoring men is such an opportunity for that because it's not a clinical service. It's not designed to be a therapy approach as such. It's designed to have guys talking to another guy about what's going on in their life and just to feel validated in their feelings and, and what they're going through. And I think for me, that's so important because it's, it is hard sometimes to open up and it is hard to sometimes even just go to a GP or go to a doctor and say, look, you know, I'm struggling. What, what, what can we do? So we're that kind of step in between to, you know, just have that guy standing side by side with you. So I think it's a really important part of what Mentoring Men does. I had a similar experience. So when we had our first child, our son, I remember sitting in similar situations in doctor's offices or, or whatever, and a lot of the focus is on the mum and the bub, and that's rightly so, but not so much much of a conversation coming my way as the new dad and, and trying to go, well, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> you know, how do I keep this thing alive? How do we keep our sanity and all that type of stuff? And and that got me a lot, you know, thinking a lot through my social work studies as well. And I came across this, this article in one of my um, assignments called Maternal Gatekeeping, and it's around how the health system, it's focused purely on, on the mum and the barb and dads get kind of left behind and they have to try and figure it out themselves. And so there's been a few situations as well where I've spoken up and asked lots more questions in a particular situation and the practitioner would look at me but then look at my wife to respond. And I felt very small in those conversations and it got me thinking about this more. And, and that's kind of why I targeted men for mindful men in my therapy business for that reason, because looking at from the outside in, it was also the things that are around for men are things around family and domestic violence. You're the perpetrator, you know, you need to get help or it's addiction stuff. It's, it's not so much just a general service tailored towards men. And so this is why this kind of developed my passion for it, plus my own mental health story as well. But I want to take you back and and understand we've touched on mental health. Mental health means different things to different people. And I guess you've come from the UK as well. How have you seen your transition from the UK to Australia in the way that we talk about mental health? I think the Brits have a reputation for being a very stiff upper lip, right? And I have almost like this cold persona What I find very, very interesting is actually that's not the case. I think a lot of the time we use humor as a way of being able to safeguard ourselves a lot of the time. And I know that Australians do that too, but I think that there is very much a sense of still in Australia that men have to remain very stoic, very resilient, 
don't really share what's going on. And I think that that stems from generations of how we're being brought up, what we look like. You know, I think even looking into, you know, the future and looking at kind of how the society is building now, I think I want to go back as well and, and think about kind of media and what is being portrayed in the media as well. I think when you go through history of what dads look like, especially on TV and especially in movies, go back to like the 60s, 70s, even later than that, it is that very strong will, no emotion, kind of you are distant from your family, you're distant from your from your kids, you're the disciplinarian. And then you move into like the, the 80s and the 90s and what you've seen is this dad that is constantly mucking up, constantly being the one that is not being sensible, is not being, you know, responsible. And that's the mum that then cleans it up. And I think that when you look at that and when you look at how we're being portrayed in in society, we're not seen as, as always being the responsible or the caring parent. And I think that that's resonated hugely across Australia. So you've got to look at how we have to shift our, our views on, on what being a father actually means because it means not just all of the things that we've just talked about. Yes, we have to be resilient sometimes because we have to make sure that we're doing what we need to do. Yes, we need to be responsible, but we also need to be caring and we also need to show our future sons what it means to have people around you that support you, have people around you that that you can laugh and joke with, but also care for. And, you know, you show the, the, the compassion in life. And I think for me, that's really, really important that we start to look at that because I think that, you know, regardless of where you are, whether it's the UK, Australia, the US, you know, other cultures across the world, there's got to be more compassion for men and us to show those signs of compassion as well i'm glad you brought up like tv and the media because i was i often reflect on because i grew up in the 80s and 90s northern suburbs of adelaide and the things that me and my brothers would watch would be like the terminator rambo die hard all these big movies where the main male character would get shot stabbed <laughs> you know walk through walls of flame and and it's interesting because one of those being the terminator and, and arnie arnie schwarzenegger and i was recently he's got a new netflix show where he's a dad and he's still a CIA agent, but he's a dad and he's working with his daughter in that environment as well. And it's interesting seeing him kind of evolving his character from this, he's still this you know stiff upper lip type of character, but he's also bringing that gentle dad as well. It's a very different change to the Arnie that we know from yeah, the 80s and the 90s in, in his big Hollywood movies. So it's, it's an interesting that you brought that up and I love how you brought that up. But thinking about fatherhood, and I always love to talk about dadding because it's one of my favorite topics. So so thinking about your journey as a dad, what does it mean to you to be a dad? It's something I've actually recently rediscovered the joy in it. I think sometimes, and I'll be honest with you, you know, like I'm not always the best at doing what I say, you know, so there's times when I've been really sucked into my work and really sucked into what I've been doing. And I've sometimes lost track of what brings me joy and what makes me happy. And, you know, recently I've been talking to, to different people and I've been talking to a counselor myself about, you know, well, how do I create an environment that I'm, you know, positive, not just at work because things are going well, but also at home. You know, the first thing he said was, what brings you joy? And instantly it was my kids. Instantly it was playing with them, like hearing them giggle, hearing them laugh you know, doing the things with them that makes you so proud. Like, you know, my kid's in his first year at school, he's at kindy. And just seeing him become such a a different 
person because of that and his skills and his reading and writing and being proud of that, his swimming. And so for me, I've really rediscovered that in the last few months, you know, the joy that that brings and it makes me laugh and it makes me enjoy things. So I think for me, it's bringing that back to what it actually means for you. And something that I've been really talking to a lot of people about at the moment is how do you stay in that moment? How do you stay in that moment without, you know, then all of a sudden hearing what they're saying and then your mind wanders and you go like, oh, I wonder what's going on on there. And all of a sudden the phone comes out or, you know, all of a sudden you're you're working on your on your laptop and they come in and you can spend five minutes with them. Like you can, just because you're in the middle of something doesn't mean that they're not important. So for me, it's about embracing that, embracing that side of life. And yeah, they do interrupt you. And yeah, sometimes it might not be the best time for you to be, you know, playing with them, but they don't stay like that for very long. And I think that that's something that that is really important and to understand and to and to create environments or situations where you get to bring that joy out. And that is what's going to build their relationship in the future as well. You highlighted there as well the importance that we don't always get it right as well. Like we don't always practice what we preach. Even me as a therapist, I'm talking about this all the time, but I stuff up as well. And it's it's normal for us to stuff up and not pay as much attention or be as present as we'd like to, as long as we're reflecting on that and then tuning back into the kids and the partner and, and the people around us as well is really important because it's not always about work. I think we're programmed to think life's about work, but work's only a small part of life. It's really just the things that pay the bills. And if we can advocate for you know good things that we're, we enjoy as well, it makes it easier to do that. But it's not always the case for everybody. There's people that, there's guys out there that are in jobs that they hate as well and so just recognizing that and go you know what my safe place is at home or with the kids or, or whatever and that's the joy of my life yeah I, I absolutely agree and you know because I think like you said sometimes having a job that is something that you you find worthwhile or something that you feel is is beneficial you get a lot of self-worth from that you get a lot of commitment but it's a double-edged sword because you can easily get sucked into kind of that is all you are and that's all you want to be. And when you see success, you want more of that, but you do sometimes lose sight of what is really important. Like your kids aren't going to remember how great you were, you know, on a podcast or how great you were talking to someone about what's going on. But what they are going to remember is the fact that if you don't take that time, they're going to remember that you shooed them away and that you weren't there for them. And so for me, you know, who's going to look after me when I'm 80, it ain't going to be work. It's going to be my kids. And so I want to make sure that they feel like they want to do that for me. Well said. Something I have to constantly remind myself of as a small business owner and trying to do all the things as a small business owner, I'm regularly you know, tuning into that kind of you know frame of mind. So let's get on to mentoring men and, and how it can help. So hopefully people who are listening can kind of get what mentoring men's about by the title of mentoring men. But if they're not sure, that's okay. I'm, you're going to walk us through it. So tell us what mentoring men is, what it is, and why is it important? Sure. So mentoring men is a free life mentoring program for any man in Australia. And when I say that, I mean anybody. It's not if you're a resident or you're you know, a citizen or if you come from a culturally diverse background or any community or if you identify as a male, then you know we're there for you. And what we basically do is provide free life mentors to guys who are going through issues, challenges, changes, concerns, I say it's not always about the big things that happen that are going to cause crisis immediately. It might be some of the things that we've really talked about, 
buying your first house, getting promoted at work, having a first kid. Sometimes it is about some family issues that are going on. But what I find is like, if you're not talking to someone about those, or if you've not got someone that you can reach out to, those things very quickly can pile up and become bigger problems. And that's where all of a sudden you start to make poor decisions in your life, or you start to feel isolated and lonely. And you know, you start to do things that you probably haven't done before. And so what we do is provide you with a, a volunteer mentor for as long as you need it around what's going on with you. And so how we do that is that we uh, find guys within the local community who feel like they can give back and feel like they have had some experience and they just want to give back to a guy out there. And we interview those guys and we put them through some training to make sure they're ready. And then as we have guys that come through that reach out and say that they need some help, we match you up. And we can do that through multiple different ways. We can do it face-to-face -face or through video conference or just through phone call. We've even got a couple who are just email and it's almost like a pen pal program. Mm. And so what we do is we match you up with guys who've got similar you know, backgrounds or similar situations or similar interests. And what we do really encourage as much as possible is that it's not just sitting down, having a cup of coffee or sitting in a bar face to face, because we know how difficult that can be. So we really promote getting out there, doing something active, going out into the community, having a walk. If you'd like to go for a surf, go for a surf. Or if you want to do woodwork, go and do that. Play around with golf, whatever it is that you like to do. Because what we find is that's where the best conversations come, because you're not just focusing on what's going on around you you're actually going on you know you're doing that activity and i like to call it accidental talking because through that then comes that kind of conversation it's kind of like i don't know if you've ever sat in the car with someone and you know they're trying to have a big conversation with you and because they're focusing on the road they're not facing you and sometimes it's a lot easier to have that conversation so that's kind of the approach that we take so we're not there as therapists we're not there to tell you what to do what we're there to do is help you make decisions that are going to support you in your life. And they don't, again, always have to be mental health issues. You know, like we're very focus orientated and goal driven and figuring out what it is and where you want to be. Because again, what we find is when we use language like emotion, sharing, vulnerability, that doesn't resonate with men. So one of the things that we focus on within Mentoring Men is the fact that it's about finding what you want to do, finding the goals. What do you want to achieve in life? And that's how we get to where we want to be. Because again, providing that mindset, providing that opportunity to use language that men resonate with really gives us a better insight into what's going on. And nine times out of 10, what we find is, is that we still get the same outcomes. We still get where we want to be and we still start to look at the mental health outcomes of that it's not always focusing on that. So we use that kind of positive reinforcement language. Nine times out of 10, the guys that we speak to, they know where they want to be. And so it's not about finding the solutions for them. It's actually about getting them to understand the decisions they've made, getting them to figure out why they've made those decisions, and then kind of moving forward with that. It almost sounds like what I do as a therapist, but you're doing it as a mentor, which is a step down and, and not so intimidating. And, and understand, guys, they really do struggle to reach out for help in the first place. So I'm, I'm interested to know your thoughts on what some of the things that men might experience or what's holding them back from reaching out to ask for a mentor. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that, the health system in Australia needs to get better at, and it's what I've touched on previously, is language, right? Like you look at the most of the language that we use within the healthcare system, especially around mental health, 
it's very female dominated in terms of the language that we're using. And and that's not a detriment because I think that women just as much need service as we do. But I think what we need to get better at is how do we resonate with men? How do we make it easier for them? We know that men are rubbish at one, saying that they need help in the first place, two, filling out forms, three, following up, which is another big issue, and wait times. Like if a guy says they want help now, they need help now. Don't make them wait three months, six months for a for a referral to come through. That's not going to work. So we need to find ways of bridging those gaps, bridging those barriers. And that's where mentoring men does come into play because I think we have mentors that are ready to go straight away, right? So within maybe at the quickest time, within 24 hours, we can have a guy ready for you to kind of talk to you you through even if it's not face to face straight away and we need to find someone for you we have someone on the end of the line that can help so for me i think that we need to get better of, of, of bridging those gaps and i definitely see mentoring men we're not there to replace therapy at all but i see us as a complementary service i think it's if it can be seen as a bridge to that so you use us as this kind of stepping stone to finding that help or it even might be that you have got a therapist and you're talking through that And they give you tools and solutions because, again, we all know that that hour, it's not really there to kind of be your all-in-one, all-encompassing support. You're meant to be utilizing the skills that you're being taught in that service. And that's where mentoring men can come into play as well, because we do have men who, you know, have, you know, supported others going through therapy. And they've said, okay, well, what does what does the therapy say at the moment? What are the things they want you to practice? I'll be your support through that and I'll be your kind of practice guide. So for me, therapy and mentoring men are are very collaborative. They're very complementary. And going back to why men don't seek that help is because it usually will put it in our pocket until it's too late. You know, and if I can quote a few stats, and these are probably stats if your listeners are listening for a while, they've probably heard these before. But you think about 80% of suicide in this country is men, right? But when you look at how many people are identifying as having a mental health issue. And I mean that by anxiety, depression, isolation, loneliness, those stats aren't aligning. And so there's a big problem there. We're not identifying until it's way too late. And so where I think we need to get better is, is making it easier, finding bridges, finding opportunities. Also having men out there who have gone through this to not be scared to open up and to not be scared to share their stories and to share what's going on. And I think that there's more and more of that happening. But, you know, it's all well and good. Me as the CEO of Mentoring Men telling my story and what's going on and how I felt. But I won't resonate with everybody. And I'm not going to resonate with Joe Bloggs down the road who, who, you know, is a construction worker and who sees me kind of sat here with my English Pommy accent. But I know there are guys in those work sites. I know there are guys that have gone through that. And so how do we get those guys to open up? And so for me, that's that's what we need to be doing is, is looking for more positive role models in different industries and different environments. Yeah, I love it. And, and some of that comes from hearing about some good news stories. Have you got one that comes to mind of, of a, a standout story or poster story that you've got for mentoring men? Yeah, absolutely. There's this guy who uh, came to us, and I won't use names, obviously, for confidentiality reasons, but there's this guy that came to us about 12 months ago, who was really struggling with his mental health, he was made homeless, uh, he'd lost his job, he'd had a breakdown in his family relationship, and he uh, just walked in from the streets, basically. And we share our office with another service called Community Northern Beaches, who support 
um, it, you know, people within low socioeconomic backgrounds within the Northern Beaches. And, you know, they were talking, he was talking to their reception and he came in and they said, look, we've got this service that works alongside us. Would you be willing to have a chat to them? And and he was very hesitant at first, kind of didn't really want to, you know, sit down and, and talk about his problems. So, uh, you know, I just sat down with him. We had a cup of coffee, not just chatted about his life and just chatted about what's going on. Didn't talk about mental health, didn't talk about, you know, what we can provide. And then we started talking about, well, what is it that you want? What is it that you want out of life? And, you know, he shared his experience and he shared what he wanted. He wanted to be back, you know, within a, a safe setting. He wanted to have a job. But he shared that he'd struggled with depression and with ADHD. And so I was like, okay. I was like, well, what if I can just find you a guy like me who wants to chat? And he was like, if you can, like, I'm willing to give it a crack. 12 months later, the guy's now working at home. He's now got a job. He's got a home. You know, he's understood that his family, although he's not, he's still separated. They're in a much healthier position and he's okay with that. And he's okay with where he's come from. And not only has he shared his situation, but the story that we got back from the mentor as well was amazing. You know, the fact that he felt that he was so integral and part of that guy's life but also that gave him some self-validation and, and some self-worth and our mentors get just as much out of it as our mentees and I think that's a real big part of our program is that there's there's a lot there for everybody so not just the mentees that are getting the support but actually the mentors and sometimes we find that what happens is life's a cycle right there are ups and downs there's peaks and troughs and I, I think that you know what we've given the mentor is also the opportunity to then go actually my life's not great and I could do with someone to talk to. And I think that that was a really positive outcome. That's really a cool story. And and it's not so dissimilar to a lot of the stories I see in, in my kind of work as well. And, but what I find is once you get that good rapport, that good relationship that's been built through a lot of coffee or through a lot of conversations or walking and talking, whatever it is, it builds a sense of community as well. And that community could be just two people. And we, you, you mentioned loneliness before. I did an episode on loneliness and then it's becoming more and more of an issue, particularly for men as well, and a cause for mental health, cause for suicide as well. And so creating community as best as we can, even if it's just a small community, can go a long way to alleviating some of that distress of that loneliness, the isolation. And we saw a lot of that come out through COVID and all the lockdowns and, and how when we disconnected from each other, like we just felt just we we felt disconnected as a community and so i love this concept around guys working with guys in a accidental way and and some of the work that i do is driving around in my ute with the guy next to me doing the therapy session and because we're not looking at each other face to face we're having that incidental chat there might be some a song playing on the radio that prompts them to talk about something and it's just it's a thing that guys i think they're drawn to it more than sitting down in a clinical professional environment maybe with no windows it's very sterile it's just more human i think how difficult is it to look someone in the eye and say i'm struggling and mm. you, if you don't know them that well like and i think that's something that one men do need to get better at so that help seeking behavior educating people around that help seeking behavior is really important but while we're not there yet we need to find other solutions and us as the service providers us as the the people who are meant to be there to support we need to get better at that we need to get better at finding ways. It's not always up to the to the guys that are out there. So where we can drive community support, community development, if you don't mind me sharing, one of the analogies that I use is it's like 
think about it as you're watching your local footy team, right? And you're just watching them. You're being very passive and you're kind of, you want them to win, but you can't do anything about that. But what if you were in a situation and what if you were in an environment where you don't have to be a spectator? You can be a player and you can be a player in someone's life. And that's what mentoring men is. It's not just sitting on the sidelines, watching people struggle and kind of going, I don't know how to help this person. Because sometimes that's the case. When what we can do and what mentoring men does is, is give you the skills to do that. And so don't be a spectator in life. Be a player. You know, like be that person that can be that support. And for me, that's something that we really lost in this country as well, is that sense of community, that sense of environment. But I know it's there. So again, you know, in Manly, about three months ago, we started just, it was just a Manly men's group. And we just put it out there. Don't have to register, just turn up. We'll have coffee. We'll have kind of, you know, a a, a chat and, you know, we'll have, you know, a bit of food there. First time we, we ran it, we had six people turn up. And we were like, okay, we'll keep going. We just had our, our third one and I th- we had just under 20 people. Uh, and so it's growing and people were interested. And so it just shows that, you know, if you put it out there, you, you know, people want to come and they want to help out. So for me, that's a real positive and a real drive is that I think there are people out there who want to help each other. We just haven't given them the solutions yet. And I think a lot of the guys that are interested in this space, they they watch from afar for a while and then once they see something growing and, and there's a lot more enthusiasm or knowledge about it in the community, then they're like, okay, now I'm going to try and dip my toe in it. That's why I'm the same. I do the same. I hesitate and hesitate and hesitate. And then eventually I just go, stuff it, I'm going to jump off into the deep end and it works out. <laughs> the other one as well is we have to recognize the importance of the women in people's lives as well. I would say around about 50% of our referrals come from women who have a guy who needs some support. And so they'll give us a call and they'll be like, can you help this guy? And so that happens a lot. And, you know, what we find a lot of the time when we're out in markets doing community work and kind of talking to people, nine times out of 10, it's the woman who comes up first and we'll be like, what's this about? Like, what are you doing? Like, what's mentoring men? And then we'll be having a conversation with them and the guy will be in the background kind of like sipping his coffee, (laughs) ignoring what's going on or pretending he's not hearing. And all of a sudden you just see this like nudge and uh, they'll be like, you need this or we know someone who's got this. And they'll walk away and about half an hour later, they might come back on their own and just have a quick chat. And for me, like you said, it's that kind of standing on the periphery, letting it process, take your time, and then you get in. And it might take us like, you know, two or three conversations to be able to have someone that says, actually, yeah, I'll I'll come in and, you know, and I'll have a chat. But it's that persistence as well. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what happens in my therapy practice. It's most of my calls are from mums or partners or daughters. And it's just like, I've got this guy in my life and he needs help. How do I get him into therapy, Simon? I'm like, well, you you can't get them into therapy. You can kind of recommend it. But that's when it is, I love doing this kind of stuff as well because what I do then is say, well, maybe therapy is not the right space, but maybe mentoring men is the right space. I leverage off these networks as well. And so now I've got a, a nice email that goes out. These are the, the different men's groups that are around that you can engage with. So how does it work? Like if I was interested in getting a mentor, like here, yeah, what's the process? And, uh, and you mentioned you're in the northern beaches, but 
Is this Australia-wide as well? It is. So uh, we are based on the Northern Beaches, but our program is uh, Australia-wide. And to, you know, to share some exciting news with you, we've actually just found our first contract in Victoria. So we are about to have a, a staff member down in Victoria now as well, which is fantastic. It means that we can you know, do more outreach and work on that. So we are national-wide. We have around about 400 men across the country as mentors at the moment that, that provide support. And to be honest, it's really, really simple how you get in touch with us. You just give us a call or you send us an email on our website, www.mentoringmen.org.au, and we do the rest. Once we've picked that up, we'll give you a call, we'll follow up, and we'll take you through the process. It's really straightforward. So really, all we need is a name and a number, and we do the rest for you. You know, it's not designed to be you know, a heavy process. You don't need a referral, you know, like all the questions that we ask, we can ask over the phone and we can have a conversation about it. If there's any concerns that you have, you know, you might have, you know, a criminal record or you might have a history in drugs and alcohol or whatever it is, like we can have that chat, you know, and and so don't feel like we're not, we're not suitable for you because of a certain background that you, that you've had in the past. Like that's not what we're there for. We're there to figure out what's going on for the future. Yeah. Is it 18 plus or do you do under 18 as well? Yeah. 18 plus. Yeah. Anyone from 18 up to, you know, a hundred. So our youngest mentor at the moment is 19 and our oldest mentee is 85. Wow. It really varies in age, background. You know, we've got people who have been from highly successful careers to, you know, people who have, you know, come out the other end of having a very difficult history. And, you know, there's benefits in both. I think for us, we're not interested in just successful people. We're not interested in people who have, you know, come out and made millions of dollars. That's not what real life is, you know. So anyone who feels like they can be a good listening ear, is a, it would make a great mentor. And anyone who feels like they need someone to talk to about anything, you know, it can be about your career if that's what you want help on, or it can be about your life, or it can be about where you want to be in the future. We've had people who have come from, you know, graduated and aren't sure where to go next. So all those things, you know, that's what Mentoring Men is there for. You just mentioned before you've got a staff member or contract you're going to go into Victoria. Well, thinking about the next 12 months, is there something else in the pipeline or what's on the horizon for Mentoring Men? Yes. So Mentoring Men in the future is is really looking to have people embedded in every state, every territory within Australia. And we really want to grow our, our, our organisation. And what we know is that it's not a one-size-fits-all program. So, you know, it's no good us from New South Wales, you know, uh, telling people about things that are going on in Victoria, telling people about things that are going on in, in Queensland. So the idea is, is that we're embedding people in communities that can work directly with, you know, the other service providers that are there, collaborate with them, work with other professionals, work with other community teams, whether it's sports or whatever it is that you do. That's what we want. And so what we're really focusing on in the next 12 months is growing our presence in both Queensland and Victoria. So that's our ideal at the moment. So, you know, in the last five years, we've grown from having 50 bucks in the bank and a barbecue to now having 400 men across the country that we support and a staff staffing team of once we have that person in Victoria on board, that's it, that would be nine. So, you know, the growth and is there and, you know, sadly the need is there. You know, I wish I could say now we've got no business, we've got no one needing us, but unfortunately it is there. So while that is there, we want to be that support. 
And I'll put the links in the show notes so that people can easily access them if they're keen to touch base. And it's the last question, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that as two Simons, we could probably talk all day. But last question I'll ask, and I ask this of everybody, is for you to plug something that makes you feel good. And the reason I ask this is because we can often talk about some deep and heavy stuff in our episodes, but leaving it on something a little bit lighter, something that's making you laugh or or feel good, whether it's a book, TV show, self-care activity, something you're doing with the family, what's something that's making you feel good at the moment? Yeah, okay. So I'm actually going to lean back into that fatherhood stuff and uh, plug a TV show that probably if you are a dad with young kids now, you know that's Bluey. Yeah. I absolutely love bluey like it's one of the programs where if the kids go i want to watch that i'm like yeah great let's do that you know because i think that not only is it funny not only is it light-hearted but it also touches on how the positivity of, of what a dad can be and for me it has been it's actually taught me a few things you know and it's you know it's taught me about what i should be doing and what life sh- should look like for everybody and it just makes me laugh it just makes you laugh in the way that he behaves and you know i play some of the games now with with the kids that he does and so yeah that's something that i really enjoy and i love spending time with the kids that doing because it, it just brings joy to everybody i think we've watched the south bank episode so many times in south so every time we go down to brizzy and and go to south bank we're like oh this is where bluey was walking and, and it was such a cool thing because it's it is a uniquely queensland one there's a lot of queenslanders in the in the show and but it's such a great show and i, I yeah I, I would plug that too absolutely i think it resonates with everybody though right like although it's although it is queensland based and clearly it's queensland based like it, you know it, you can see so much you know in everybody and i think like the games that they play like they're all things that we used to play in our childhoods you know my favorite episode for instance is is the cricket episode <laughs> or uh, the other one that i really like as well is where they've gone camping because uh, you know the way that that story unfolds. I, I just love it. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm on TikTok as well and I'm watching now people are dissecting it and trying to overanalyze it and say how it's bad. I'm like, how could this thing be bad? It's such it's, a cool show. There's nothing bad about Bluey. <laughs> nothing bad about Bluey. <laughs> well, Simon, thank you so much for, for joining me on the Mindful Men podcast to share about mentoring men. I really enjoyed this conversation and looking forward to, yeah, to watching it grow in the future and also referring some of the, my guys that I work with to you guys as well to have that complimentary service sitting side by side with therapy. No, thanks, Simon. I've really appreciated the conversation and great to chat to you. And like I said, if you do know anyone or if you have listened to this and gone like, I could do with someone to talk to, just give us a call. Like it's that easy. And, you know, we're just guys at the end of the line, you know, willing to help out. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode and I hope you got some value from it. If anything triggered your mental health today, please reach out to your support networks. Also, if you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your mates. For more from Mindful Men, you can check us out on Instagram and YouTube, and I'll throw the links to these pages in the show notes below. But until next time, stay mindful.